<laughs> I'm I'm rolling. I'm rolling too. Um, I don't have any material for the cold open. Do you? No, I got nothing for the cold open. I never have anything for the cold open. All right, yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Wheel of Time show about the Wheel of Time show. My name's Garrett. I'm Adam, and uh, yes, I'm very happy to be here. We are affectionately, very quickly becoming known as Twats of Twats, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. Uh, so, gonna break down some stuff. It's not time yet for us to see the show, you know? So we're gonna have to go over some of the promotional stuff, trailers that's been out. I'm kind of excited to talk about it, so let me go ahead and get ready. This is gonna be kind of like the theme song for me <laughs> when I talk about Wheel of Time. Yep, there we go. Baby, it's either going to be therapy or it's going to be... All wrong. <laughs> down, 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 down. I'm trying to stay cautiously optimistic. We talked about this on episode zero or whatever we're calling the first episode, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go over some of the reasons why it's been more difficult for me to do that in this episode, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, the Wheel of Time show about the Wheel of Time show. This is a podcast about the TV show. That's what the whole title means. Um, it's coming out on... We are Sorry, we are recording this October 25th, 2021. The show will be released November 19th of 2021 which by the way Adam we also have a live action Cowboy Bebop and fucking Ghostbusters Afterlife yeah Yeah. it's gonna be a big day I haven't had this big of a nerd day since I think it was March 3rd 2017 I'm not sure if that's the exact date but that was Logan the movie and the Switch released with uh, the newest Zelda Breath of the Wild (laughs) I didn't sleep for 48 hours so it's pretty Uh, awesome yeah and you used to do that when like DLC used to come out for what um, World of Warcraft and stuff I'm not outing you on that am I Oh no, it's huge in a while until the like the end of Lich King, I'd say. But yeah, that was a uh, that was my jam. So I realized during the Breath of the Wild stuff in 2017, can't really do that anymore. Too old. Our so. bodies hurt after time. So <laughs> it's yeah. funny because like if I stand up nowadays too fast, like my back hurts. I'll just straight up throw my back out. Mm-hmm. So it this could physically hurt me if this show isn't good. So <laughs> my health is riding on this. It really is because like I already have anxiety that I'm experiencing when I see some of these pictures where I'm like, nope, don't like that. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll get to those uh, in one minute. Um, anyway, the long story short is this is a show that is going to be kind of only discussing the television series. We're not going to go into the books too hard, even though Adam and I are avid fans of Robert Jordan's writings of the Wheel of Time uh, series. The show is going to be released in like T minus two weeks, three weeks at this point. We're very excited for it, but this is kind of a part duh of the episode zero that we dropped a couple of weeks ago. So if you're coming back from that, welcome. If you just skip that and you're here, hi. Go listen to that one and uh, just say, go back and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, if you listened to last episode, we were in Bran Alvear's um, common room for his his lodge. I don't uh, I think we need to move, Adam. Uh, currently, we are floating in purgatory. Where do you want to go this time? I think it'd be better if we're going outside like we're on the road. We're on an adventure like these new strangers just came and took us on this fabulous adventure. I think it's apropos. Okay, um, I'm gonna put it at night. We are we're bedding down for the evening, and we have a campfire, and we got some crickets and a nice uh, a nice outdoorsy sound. Okay, ready? Fly that in. Oh wow, that's so nice! It's so uh, crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm actually yeah. going camping for the first time in my adult life. 
That's not true. I'm going camping for the first time in like 10 years uh, in like two weeks. It's the weekend before the show comes out, in fact. No, okay. So, where are you going? Uh, some fucking haunted campsite in Arizona. Oh. I don't even know the name of it. Someone suggested it, and we're just like, yeah, whatever, we'll go. So, Adam, uh, you said you had some first initial impressions. Um, what are we talking about? You want to talk about the trailer first off? Yeah, so uh, let's just go ahead and give an idea of what we're going to cover. We're just going to do some trailer impressions. The trailer's been out for quite some time, so I imagine everyone's seen it at this point. Yeah. Um, that said, we're going to go over uh, some news uh, from the set, uh, and then just some like promotional images and clips, and based off of what we see, you know what we're excited about, what we think that might be getting you know cut out, hitting the uh, cutting room floor, so to speak. So that's what we're going to go over. So uh, we're actually going to go ahead and rewatch uh, the trailer. Me and Garrett are, and then through the magic of editing, we're going to be like, "Whoo, what a good trailer!" And then we'll just jump right into talking about it. All right, awesome. So that was the trailer that we just rewatched. So I will say too, I've, I've watched it a lot. I've watched this trailer probably twenty times at this point. Oof, um, I'm at like six. I <laughs> I, uh, I really hated it the first time I saw it. Um, and the more I watch it, I think the more I, it's maybe I'm just like desensitizing myself to it. Um, but I actually just watching it now liked it a whole lot more than I did the first time. And I will say, I think the reason is for me, this is the first trailer, you know, for a Wheel of Time live action series. I have so many things that I remember reading and have recently read again that yeah. I'm hoping to see, you know, some sort of things like besides just, you know, what do the Trollocs look like? You know, how's how's the tone look? Um, and I didn't really focus on those things in particular, but what I do see in the trailer is a bunch of shit that doesn't happen in the books. Yeah. And so for me, it's like having that source material and just not seeing any of it referenced in the first trailer for me was like kind of a thumb in the eye to start it. Um, that said, looking at it like in a more analytical, less fanboy way, um, there are certain things that I will pick out of the trailer because we're definitely not going to do like a full in-depth breakdown. We're not going to talk about all these characters and who they are. Um, what I do want to say, though, is that one of the biggest changes that I noticed visually, and I think Jordan's writing is so heavily influenced by visuals. That's why he spends so many so many pages basically describing everything in the world, everything in the room you're walking into, is that the Ace and I are so heavy-handed in their, their garb. You know, it's like they would wear normal clothes and then have like a shawl that had like a fringe that was the color of their Aja, or however the fuck you say it. But mm -hmm. in this trailer, it's like every one of them is constantly wearing like the loudest color they could yeah. possibly do. And it's one solid color. It's like, I'm a blue, yeah. you know? And it's like, okay, cool. F fucking, I get it. But right. it's, it, it's like spirit week and they're all on top of it. They're all like fucking different types of Skittles or something like that. It's, uh, it, because in in the in the books they can dress as they want, but they just kind of favor certain colors. And as you said, it's the shawl that they all have like a ceremonial one that they don only in formal situations. But yeah, no, yeah, this and, is and just even like, then it's not like a pure color. You know, no. it's just like it's just regal looking garb because they are trying to look like they're they're playing the part of people who sort of steer the kingdoms in the directions they want to. They are typically taken in by royalty and shit like that whenever they're visiting cities. So. Mm -hmm. it's just really heavy-handed. And I thought, you know, I wonder if the visuals in general are going to be just very heavy-handed overall. I think when you do stuff like that, you just think that the the viewer is dumb, essentially. And there are, there's a lot to digest in Wheel of Time, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing that, I think that was the first big red flag for me on the trailer that really bothered me because it's like, okay, if you think I can't pick up on, like, the delineation between the, <laughs> the, the factions that you need to, like, make the colors so prominent, like, how am I going to, like, pick up on the rest of the actual things that are subtle within the show. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm just worried that they're just going to get lost. Um, but that's the just only, how I felt. What's like your initial impression watching it? 
Uh, well, to put a button on that, maybe that was such a stylistic choice to have them such like big, bold colors is to set them aside visually from the common folk in here. Like these are special individuals. Maybe it's just trying to like give a little bit more flavor to other characters and stuff like that. Um, initial impressions. I, I was I was super excited to see it in the first place. Um, there is so much stuff that you're just getting emotions and feelings and, and they're going to obviously show like great big contrasting colors and scenes and locations. You know, it's very cool that we get to see like five shots inside Shader and on the outside of like Shader Logoth pronunciation check there. I call and, it Shadar Logoth, but it's still pretty close. Oh, we'll see okay. what the show comes up with. Very cool. It's going to be Kadar Moma. <laughs> All right. We're well, going to be so annoyed. <laughs> what I really think they're going to do is they're going to lose the ways and they're going to only do the, the portal stones, which would justify why why Rafe has stated that uh, they're kind of pulling from books one, two, and three for this first season is because they're just kind of removing some redundancies, which, yeah, whatever the books have them, but like, yeah. sure, you can kind of like truncate different methods of travel and if that's the case then that's cool but i don't like storylines being pulled from two or three coming into this which potentially could happen if we are um seeing uh certain shots for a potential caged male uh with a sedai surrounding them um i think we also talked about this but this is just going to be a spoiler free show like if we if we say something spoilery we're going to cut it out or uh adam give me a spoiler right now <laughs> literally say anything and i'm going to beep it dies <laughs> <laughs> and there you go see i just beat that so adam say something again dies we beep that as well and you can say tell me uh if uh, batman's parents ever make it out alive uh actually in the <laughs> batman <laughs> they make it out and there you go. I beeped all of that. So you guys have a. <laughs> you that guys was a lie, have, by the way. All of them. Those was, those were three lies. But anyway, we're uh, we're gonna keep you safe from stuff that happens down the road with the books. Yeah. Unless, like I said, the show sucks, and we and our show sucks, and everything sucks. We're just gonna start bitching about everything and like start talking like, I really hate the fact that they don't introduce this character. Blah 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 blah. But yeah. I think you hit on something, too. It's like they're matching together three books. You know, he said he's going to pull for stuff from Great Hunt and Dragon Reborn, which is the second and third book on top of Eye of the World. And I think that's why my initial impressions of the trailer is like, why don't I recognize a single scene? Aside from Shadar Logoth, like I should recognize a few things. That said, I talked about this in episode zero where I don't want a, a showrunner who's going to take such wonderful source material and just throw it in the trash and decide I'm going to do my own thing. I think it's a really good sign that he is recognized within the canon where he can build out his own scenes. In particular, in, you know, the show, you're going to see stuff that you didn't read about in the books. Without getting too spoilery, you know, there's characters that we don't really recognize right now. There's scenes that I see where I'm like, okay, cool. The first time I'm introduced to a male channeler uh, is visually, and they don't do anything interesting. However, you know, in the trailer for this, it's very clear that uh, the actor who's playing Loghain uh, is going to get a little bit more screen time than the character got in the book. And I'm totally fine with that. Like, that's the spot. That's the chance where you can make your own original scenes with stuff that's just sort of mentioned in passing. You know, like, there's there's a mention at, at some point, and this is, like, completely separate, but there's a mention at some point of, like, oh, yeah, this battle happened in a different part of the world that you've never even seen in the books. And if you decide, like, well, I want to show that battle, that's where you get to, like, make your impression and show stuff that you want to. So... I'm kind of trying to spin that in my head where it's like, okay, I saw a scene of a male channeler. That hasn't happened yet in book one for me. I think it'll wind up being really good. 
and that leads me into the next thing I wanted to mention, which is my impression of the power. I think the power looks really good. And and reading what um, Rosamund Pike has said about Rafe Judkins is that they didn't want to just make it a light show. They really wanted to make it look like you're weaving like threads of power in your channeling. Uh-huh. And they actually had someone on set that was like a, a motion coach. I forget what the name of it mm-hmm. was. Specifically so that they could come up with a way where channeling would look like authentic if you were actually like creating weaves of these different like strands. Yeah, that's like the the Tom Cruise Minority Report, um, like a motion coach, like he said when he was like how Iron Man is always tossing around all his different like VFX <laughs> when they're yeah. not actually there. The, there's a very like big um, Eastern influence on a lot of the visual stuff here, more than I read in the book. But I, on my like second and third coming to the book again, I'm like, wow, I, I just didn't like clock it in the first place. So I'm seeing a lot more of that now. And I feel like it's the, the whole weaving is going to give the impression of like kind of Tai Chi, I think, which is a lot of like big flowing hand motions and stuff, which is very cool. Uh, the one thing I will say that I'm not super keen on is that there is a scene where the way that it's written is that the Aes Sedai, as they channel, they don't have like any large body movements. They kind of can do it very subtly. But we see this trailer, and it also just because it's a show and you need to make things visually look cool. You see like Rosamund Pike, like Harry Potter's casts like through a wand at something, and and then it cuts very quickly to somebody crashing into a wall or something like that. It's like, well, I didn't really see that coming around, you know. Yeah, but, I had you know. that same thought. I was like, maybe it's just because she's in battle, you know, mm-hmm. and she's trying to take in things around her. Because the scene with the male channeler, who's probably going to be named Loghain, you know. He's sitting completely still, mm-hmm. and he is covered in what appears to be the one power. So I thought the same thing. I was like, I like that he seems stationary. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like this facial contortion of like, you're fucked. And I'm like, that's how I read a lot of these characters when they were channeling. Sure, sure, so sure. I, I had that same impression. But also, you know, like very prominently in this book, like male cannot, like even male channelers, power wielders, they cannot see what females are doing. And vice versa. It's very uh, yin-yang, which that imagery will kind of come out uh, down the road. But again, for visual purposes, we need to kind of see something. I don't know if I really like the like ribbon air looking stuff that's like flowing around on the screen. It does kind of look cool. I, I just need to see a little bit more of it. We've only kind of seen this green like stop Neo's like fucking 30 arrows just straight into the sky and then we see Moraine throwing some stuff around and it's like this is fine but I'm not unhappy with it I hope it's like a transition that you get in like a video game Mm -hmm. like uh, the best way I can compare it to because I can't think of anything better right now is Majora's Mask the first time you put on one of the masks you have this really long scene of like transforming and then after that every time you put it on it's just super fast Uh I think they might I hope let me just put it this way I hope that they're just showing like this is how the weaves work. This is what channeling looks like. Mm. And then as the show progresses, it's more about the end result of whatever you're weaving together rather than showing you like pulling in the one power and then putting out whatever like spell you're casting essentially. Like just show me that they like pull in like a weave, like quick, like one second transition yeah. of, oh, they're channeling and then boom, show me what they're going to do with it. Establish it. Right. I, I don't really need to see how much power they're drawing. I don't know how they're going to interpret how strong people are because I read it very differently in a book. I read it when I was very heavily watching Dragon Ball Z. Ugh. So for me, it's like when someone's powering up in Dragon Ball Z and they have the aura around them. To me, how strong a channeler was was how big their aura is. You know, 
And that's like how 16-year-old Adam's brain works. So I don't know how they're going to represent, if they even are going to represent, how someone that's stronger in the one power than someone else, if, if they'll even appear that way visually. Because they tend to know. You know, they mm -hmm. can kind of like pull in the one power and measure dicks against each other. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they're going to have the visual representation. I am slightly worried now hearing you say that. Um, whether or not male and female channelers will be able to see each other. If they're just going to be like, oh, we're just going to leave that out. Because that's mm -hmm. actually really crucial to a lot of points yep. in the entire series about not knowing whether or not someone else is channeling. Right, that, right. And that's why I'm like, maybe maybe the the us, the viewer, is going to just kind of be the uh, omniscient presence that gets to witness all of it, both sides. You know, like, who knows? Either way, don't hate it. Just gonna have to get used to it after we see it. After 20 years of headcanon, it's kind of hard to see something interpreted that doesn't match up what your brain showed you. All right, so we're done discussing the trailer. A lot of cool imagery in there. Um, Adam, you've done, uh, admittedly, a lot more research. On, you've Maybe not research, but you've read a lot more articles than I have. I don't know how your algorithm just dumps them into your inbox, <laughs> uh, but I've like... I have like three news apps and everything flagged with Wheel of Time. It just <laughs> launches it onto my home screen, and I'm like, all right, I get it. Yeah, yeah. The news that I've read has strictly only been stuff that you've sent me, um, and I've only done a little bit of uh, research into it, but um, I've loved everything you said. Your algorithm is called Adam Diaz. So. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, so one of the things I will say transitioning out of the uh, trailer impressions is that um, I don't think I spoke enough about how much I do think the tone feels correct. You know, it does feel like this world to me that I read, like seeing the imagery, seeing Emmons Field, seeing the tavern, seeing the characters. I'm like, these feel like the right people. And I really felt strongly about the casting uh, when it came to Matt. I was like, oh, my God, they nailed it. This guy looked great. And then, of course get hit over the fucking head with the news before the show is even going to go live. The first season's already in the can. Hasn't been released yet, though. Barney Harris, the actor that's going to be playing Matt Cawthon, has already left the show. Uh, there's not a whole lot of information as to why, so it's just been open for wild speculation. And mm -hmm. uh, as far as that goes, when they announced that he was leaving, they also announced the replacement actor, which I don't know if I'm going to say the name right. I'm sure I'll hear it said repeatedly, but Donald Finn. Um, and he was actually a... I won't say throwaway character. He's kind of a background character in an episode of The Witcher. Um, so you have seen him before if you've watched The Witcher. It's the episode called The Taste of Solitude. He doesn't look bad. I don't think he doesn't have, like, the right look to the show or anything like that. He just doesn't look like how I sort of read Matt uh, mm -hmm. in the way that Barney Harris kind of matched pretty closely to what I was seeing. So it really does suck to lose one of your primary character's actors before the show even goes live, you know? Yeah, and, and again, we're tracking this October 25th of 21, so there could be some news that comes out. Um, uh, no, I, I don't want to be... We're not going to speculate as to what's happening because we have no idea whatsoever, but it could just be a creative difference with him and the showrunners, the platform and studio itself. Perhaps the studio has found something out about him and they're like, we will not continue our relationship together, but they are already going to pay him for it. Could be a scheduling conflict. It's very possible that Barney thinks that his career uh, is going to take a different path than the Wheel of Time. And he's already stepping out because there's a lot of times where you have a large commitment on a series where you're realizing that if you want to like make a name for yourself as an actor, you need to step away from whatever it is the thing that you've been doing. Like you see that with just big time actors that leave whatever series they were founded on. It's just kind of crazy that it's happening 
before season one even came out, it definitely, I don't know, it, it's a big red flag. If this mm-hmm. was a guy walking by, I'd be like, he's hot. I can change him. And uh, <laughs> like, it's not a good sign. I don't know if it really matters all that much. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Cause, like, I mean, when you think about it, like the people get recast all the time. Yeah. We talked about this on Sunday. Garrett and I totally talked about uh, Batman movies just for fun. Because, like, I love The Dark Knight. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Garrett thinks it's a bit too long, and I totally understand that. Mm. But, like, when you think about Batman Begins going into Dark Knight, it's like Katie Holmes going to Maggie Gyllenhaal. I completely forget that happened. And it's the same character. And they look nothing alike. Yeah. So at some point, if the show's good enough, it won't even matter. And it's and it's not going to be the situation like Game of Thrones, where Amelia Clark was brought in to reshoot all the scenes for Daenerys. Because the original actress that played Daenerys backed out she shot a bunch of scenes and she was like i don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. and so they're like well shit you know and that was a huge red flag for game of thrones and i think for the most part that worked out realistically we can bitch about how it ended but leading up to the final season it was like the most anticipated final season of a show i can remember in forever so yeah it's it's worrisome but it's not a death sentence right you also have shows like spartacus where the main character uh tragically passed away uh i think he had I think it was brain cancer and um, you know, the show continued on with a a replacement actor and they're making the best out of a horribly tragic situation. Um, But also, Hey, I mean like actors are workers just like everybody else is. Uh, You can quit a fucking job if you want and there's no shame in doing that whatsoever. So um, it could just not be the right fit for you. And I don't want to get too spoiler heavy, but there are instances in other shows and other fiction where an actor replaces another actor as the same, like think uh, almost like Doctor Who, you know, Doctor Who is specifically written in there so the actors can step away from the show. Um, there is a precedent for something like that in Wheel of Time, you know, uh, and without getting too deep into it, like we've been talking about these channelers um, and how they have this connection to the one power. They can have that power permanently severed from them. And when that happens in certain cases, they tend to look different. Um, and eventually you might get to that in the show I thought to myself when we were like seeing the casting come out, like this actor doesn't have to stay the same after, you know, a certain season, because if something happens to them that follows the book, it, they might look different. And they literally state in the book that they look different after it happens. So without spoiling too much about Matt's story, maybe they toss something like that in there uh, for like some trauma he goes through that when he comes out the other side of it, uh, he might just look different. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that would be way too much explanation for it. But I'm just stating that this might happen. We might get a canonical reason for why Matt looks different in the second season. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't do it. Sure. Um, I will. I'll agree with you on that, but I wouldn't hate that justification. And Adam and I are we're not going to spoil this. But what we will say is that there is going to be some massive transformations for some of our main characters. And Matt is a main character. So that could mean that he goes through. He goes through some shit. He goes yeah. through some shit. And, and we already know we're going to see him initiate the shit he's going to go through mm-hmm. in season one based off of some of the promotional images and clips that we've seen, which I think is a great way for us to transition into some of the, the wrapping up of this particular episode. Let's talk about stuff that's not in the big trailer, uh, some of the clips that have released, some of the promotional uh, images, and, and just go over how like the impression is. And I'll start off with things that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, I have three big ones. I think that they've nailed the Trollocs. We haven't seen like a full-blown front picture of the Trollocs, but seeing them in the background of a bunch of different stuff, it's exactly how I read them. I think they look imposing sure. and frightening and fucking awesome. The Murdral, the Halfmen, whatever you want to call them, they look exactly how I read them, almost like a white leech turned into a man. <laughs> Maggot. Um, it Maggot-y looks face. terrifying. <laughs> it's just 
haunting. And then my favorite, the one that I saw and I was like, this show might be good. Like, I should probably stop getting so pissy is The Children of the Light. I saw the promotional image for The Children of the Light. And I'm like, aside from the lower half garb, because I kind of read them in like soldier's greaves, you know, and like soldier's pants. Um, they have more like of a, a skirt bottom, which I don't really give a shit about. It's just not how I read it. Mm-hmm. Just seeing them, seeing how pristine and white and perfect and like how their outfits have their their ranks on them. I was just like, this is exactly how I read them and how they are described as these people who are like too clean for the environment they're in. And they all have like that Pidgeotto fuckboy haircut. <laughs> and I was just like, this looks perfect. Like, I fucking love it. Uh, so for the promotional images, I, I, I'm going to say Children of the Light in the first place with you is that, yeah, they look they, they look like they read. And I'll say that that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because Adam and I, when the when the photo came out, we, we talked to each other and I'm like, man, these motherfuckers all have the most punchable faces that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, like I think everything looks very cool top down and it just like yeah the fact that they're wearing more um it's not dissimilar from like a habit um that like a monk would wear or something like that you know they're they're supposed to be the most pious and a pseudo religious sect in this uh in this world and you know the women all wear like divided skirts for riding that's what these are that they're wearing but it's not removed from also the knights templar one of these guys even looks in this promotional image like he's walking and it's like it's almost like it's a full tabard and that's how i feel about the promotional images i don't know if you had another promotional image you wanted to mention before we move yeah. on like some of the promotional clips it's like the movie poster effectively it's the show poster like one sheet yeah, yeah 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 it has everybody on there uh you know, like the the main traveling party is on the front and then above it you see like the Trollocs kind of on, on the outside and then a Mirdral in the middle or a Fade or a Halfman or the Eyeless or the Neverborn. A lot of names to those guys. Nice. Um, I'm impressed by how many you picked out. That was good. Yeah. Well, you, you gave me a couple of, from the from the get-go. But it, this is what I will say. You know, they're kind of an analog for the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. In the trailer, they looked fucking cool because um, they, like, just really opened their mouth like a really wide Venom style. But in this photo... It looks like Voldemort is is like hanging it out does over look the party. Like Voldemort with some sharp teeth. Sure. I was gonna say I thought you picked this image in particular because their cloak is actually being touched by the wind. Oh, that's <laughs> and a- I know how much you despise that trope <laughs> in the books of like oh. their cloak doesn't move; it's unnaturally still. It's such a stupid. <laughs> You've always been point. like, but why? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's like, hey, okay, number one, these things, uh, kind of, in Lord of the Rings fashion, these the Trollocs in the in the Mirdral are like kind of just churned out of like a uh, like a like a RTS factory in the blight and they come out like fully garbed in like boots and swords and leather <laughs> and everything looks very menacing and then there's a cloak that just doesn't get touched by the wind and I'm like what a dumb detail and you're the one who's like always trying to pull me back from the edge on that because you're like it's supposed to make you feel unsettled and I'm like it yeah. makes me unsettled because why the fuck does this thing evil or not? Why does it have to change physics? <laughs> so it seems it's like it's supposed to show the world rejecting this particular creature, but it's just <laughs> I understand like your rejection of this yeah. particular trope, and I don't think they're gonna put in a bunch of visual effects to show like the trees <laughs> waving in the wind, and someone's like, "Look at this cloak!" And if that scene is in episode one, I oh can't my wait God. to hear Garrett react to it. It's gonna be fucking glorious. You will hear me from Indiana, and you in Vegas. You will hear me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be so perfect. Yeah, I, I cannot possibly be alone in that. This isn't so much of a complaint, but 
I felt the same way in Lord of the Rings. I felt the same way in Game of Thrones. And I feel the same way seeing this right now too. This is strictly a limitation to filming. Your lens can only capture so much in frame at once. That's just a production thing. And then also just costs. You don't want to build a city for them to shoot. I know that they can like compot they can build like two streets and then composite the background to like look like a whole thing. So I'm not talking about Tarvalon. I'm talking about the little hamlet that they live in. So this is the the two rivers. This is Amon's Field. Everything always looks so small. When I was reading about uh, Winterfell in Game of Thrones, I imagined this like sprawling courtyard with whatever you know, like people constantly practicing in it. And then, um, you know, like commerce happening in there. It's like, a, it was almost like a city square. And then you see the show and it's like, eh, it's, you know, it's kind of like quarter acre backyard that somebody has. And there's, <laughs> a, there's a grill over on this side and a horseshoe pit over there. I do feel the same way for this over here. And it's especially when they're in the common room, probably of uh, Bran Elvier's place. You know, they're all like having a drink and then a green comes in and then Lan and Moraine will come in afterwards too. It's like, I don't know. It just doesn't look the same as you read it. And I know that's somebody else's interpretation, but do you get the same feeling? It's like, there's like a claustrophobic feeling because it's just like smaller than you pictured. Or is that just me? I read the entire town as being very small. In fact, I thought the tavern, uh, Bran Elvier's tavern was too big when I saw it. I was like, really? I think your common room is oversized here. I don't think this would take as many people. Um, I again, it's like seeing it pretty quickly in the trailer, but I remember, and of course, the clip which I'm going to get into next. So this will be a nice transition. But sure. seeing it and seeing how many people were in it, I was like, I I think the town looks about the right size as I read it. I read it as like super podunk, like Boone Grove proper, like not like the outskirts, like Boone Grove High School is where I went to school. But I went to Boone Grove Elementary School, which is in the city of Boone Grove, Indiana, which is fucking tiny. It's one road. It's like post office, school, then you're out of town. I am very worried about seeing Camelin, if that's how you pronounce it, and Carahine, if that's sure. how you pronounce it, for the first Hard, time. Because yeah. I do often see, like, the claustrophobia. I kind of felt that Tarvalon was definitely not how I read it. Um, when I saw it, I was like, I imagine they were, like, higher spires. They were, like, smaller and higher versus, like, bulbous is kind of how they looked. Yeah, they're, like, um, they're like short and squat. It took me a minute when I first saw it, and I was just like, is that supposed to be Tarvalon? Then I saw the mountain in the background, and I was like, again... It didn't, in my mind's eye, look like Dragon's Mount did not look like a fucking volcano on the skyline. It looked mm. like a jagged rock formation, like not an actual mountain where the top is just cracked off because it like went so high it eventually broke. I didn't see it as like, you know, Mount Vesuvius in the background, which is like kind of what it looks like. I read it completely differently. So I think those two things definitely look different. And uh, Tarvalon had that claustrophobic feel for me. I was like, I don't, I don't think this looks right. But as far as like the smaller town goes, I was like, this kind of feels appropriately small. We'll see what happens as they sort of progress out of it, though. Yeah, I hope that. I mean, just again, we're talking kind of about the impressions of the imagery and, and all the, the release stuff that we have. My feelings could change on it. I'm just saying first initial impressions. I'm really hoping that that's not what it is. But I mean, again, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, they are all in the same vein here. I had the same thing from them. So I also could be pulling from those uh, other things. So let's transition over to the clip of Lana Moraine showing up into the town of Emmons Field. Um, I have many issues with this. This pisses me off beyond belief. It's cool seeing Lan come in for the first time. You get to see a great shot of him. Get to see a great shot of Moraine. Um, the whole setup, the whole like initial setup for this fucking show, it's different than the initial setup for the books. In the books, it's like, oh, a lord and a lady are in town and they're just sort of visiting and everyone's so excited to see them. 
and they're under pseudonyms, which they use all the time when they travel because they don't want folks to know it's a warder and an ace to die because that sets off red flags. People are super nervous. People get upset. And in this clip, they fucking walk right in to the entire town. <laughs> Land gives you his actual name, and then he introduces Moraine, and then Moraine flashes her fucking ring like she needs to get a room by showing her goddamn ring so everyone knows she's Ace to Die, and it's so far removed from the character. They literally never do this, ever. Like, when I watched this, I was like, this is how someone who was playing D&D would act if you told them, like, I need you to be discreet. I need you to not bring attention to yourself. And then you just walk in. It's like if you were fucking James Bond and you checked into your hotel with your real name, which he does, and that's just a power move. But I'm just saying, it pissed me off so much. I'm like, Land in the books would beat the shit out of Land in the show for acting so irrational and reckless. It's like he would not tolerate this bullshit. And it's like, I was so excited, like, oh, cool. I get to see, like, them arrive. And I, I watch the clip. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Also, why is Rand there? He's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be back at the fucking farm. I was so annoyed. I, I think, again, when I was talking earlier about the whole truncation of, like, certain things just for the convenience of... At that scene in the story, you're on page probably... 500 already <laughs> but uh but but to but that's I'm, I'm willing to bet that's within the first probably eight minutes of the show and yeah. i i think you know and and in defense of the show and, and just in defense of uh filmmaking and storytelling they're like yeah moraine would go as lady alice and uh land would go as whatever his name is or whatever the case may be but they're like let's not confuse Bland. his name is just bland yeah. he doesn't even give a shit. he's like whatever <laughs> I think that, that that was like, let's not introduce these characters with pseudonyms because then the, the first impressions people aren't going to remember who the fuck they are. A very classic Final Fantasy IX trope, which was like, let's let's change this character name from Garnet to Dagger. <laughs> but like seeing all these additional scenes of like all the women of the White Tower and them sitting in the Hall of the Tower and like showing you the motivations behind her journey, behind Moraine's journey, which is clearly going to be in the show, which isn't in the fucking books. It's like, you, you can introduce me to this character's real name in a different way. I get why you'd want to expedite it. I understand. I understand why uh, Theon Greyjoy's sister's name changed from uh, Asha to Yara because Asha was too close to Osha or whatever the fucking case was. Mm -hmm. It's like, I get why they do that. But in this particular case, it's like discretion was so essential to this mission to have them show up and just throw it to the wind just pisses me off. And that's the first impression I get. It's like, it's almost like they're deliberately trolling me to tell me like, we're not going to do it the way you read it. Like, fuck the way you read it. Yeah. And it's like, there's, this isn't something, this isn't a hill to die on for them. It's like, why would you even need to change it? The only thing that sort of brought me back uh, after seeing this, when it came to like how they're going to handle these particular characters is that there's a clip of uh, a clip called Moraine's story where it shows Moraine and it has Rosamund Pike kind of like narrating what they're going through um, and like the motivations of her character. She clearly understands Moraine and the, the clip itself really makes it seem like the first season's going to have the same mystery the first book does of which one of these people is the one I'm looking for, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited to see that because I didn't even know if they were going to give a fuck about it, to be, to be frank with how often they've like started to have departures from it. Um, that said, like... <laughs> At no point have I seen, this is the one thing that worries me the most, all right? And like from every promotional thing, someone tweeted at Rafe Judkins and they said, you know, I think I might have mentioned this in episode zero too, are the Forsaken going to be in the show? And his answer was, depends on how much you know about the Forsaken. The trailer should have a clip 
of a man with no eyes and no mouth with a furnace behind him because it's so essential to the first book. It is just like that is your that's the face of your bad guy. I, I mean, not and, even uh, not even the first book. Like it's it's like the first the first like four half, books. half of the series. Right. Okay, well, 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 let's let's be nice and say it's the first quarter of the series because there there's a lot of just that one forsaken that has to do with it uh and and i didn't mean to steal this from you or anything like that but i mean oh no but ultimately the with the there's there's a lot of um i already mentioned it with the whole yin yang symbol you know there is going to be a lot of two parts that counter each other that are always going to be in concert you know a la good versus evil we have a classic good versus evil story on this and what you'll you'll learn as you're as you're watching this is that it's going to be the, this is the force of good that's trying to assemble so that it can make sure that it, it keeps evil at bay. If you're not going to have the evil in there, then what the fuck is the point of this? You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Like what's the motivation that you're giving me for like, I, I'm just guessing they're just cock teasing it out where it's like, you're going to watch the episode. You're going to watch the season. You're eventually going to see this because it's just, it's so pivotal of a thing to just remove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems batshit crazy to me, especially because eventually like the, the characters and the relationships of the forsaken themselves becomes important. They're not just ne'er-do-wells. You know, they're not just the antithesis in there, uh, and they are flat characters. They are very much 3D, fully realized characters with motivations of their own, and, like, to, to introduce them initially is very important to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I don't even know if they exist in this first season that's pulling from books one, two, and three, it, and, you know, uh, it's just watching some of the casting without trying to get too spoilery, like, uh, we, we almost named the show like seriously though where's Elaine because it's like where the fuck hasn't she been cast yet like she's important and then just start realizing like well she's probably not going to be in the first season then to, since they haven't announced her casting and then they announce it for the second season it's like which is so there are weird. some decisions that are blowing my fucking mind yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like maybe you don't want to introduce too many at once maybe you want to establish the Rand and a Queen storyline which they're already showing them naked yeah um, I was super surprised that we like got like sexy time with them I was like really like that is that is a bold choice and I'm not like saying that that's not something that the book would do I just think that was a bold choice for a show of this and maybe you know uh, apparently Bezos has said that he wanted something to counter uh, Game of Thrones and we know that there was just nothing but tits and dicks in uh, Game of Thrones for like eight seasons there. So <laughs> so that's our impressions of promotional images and clips. I will say what's something, I just want to end this on this tiny bit spoilery. What's something that you're most looking forward to seeing that's not been in the promotional images and clips that you think has to be included or something likewise that you are fearful is going to get cut? Uh, I know it's not going to get cut because it's in the IMDb, but we haven't seen it in the, or at least I haven't been able to easily catch it from the trailer or the promotional stuff, but Pat and Fane. I'm very much looking forward. I mean, talk, fucking talk about characters who are going to have transitions. Full stop. <laughs> you know. Yeah. What about you? I can't imagine. I can't imagine they would cut him. I was trying to look through no, 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 a bunch no, of stuff no, that I'm excited to see. I, I will confirm that he is cast in... Oh no, I've seen them cast. I just like, are they going to fuck his storyline? Like, oh, we don't need, you know, Mm. another character that has a similar storyline to someone else. Like, I always look for stuff that they could try and rip out to, like, you know, destroy me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, (laughs) I'm just like, are they going to cast Gallad and Gawain? Like, are they both going to be in there? Are they just going to decide to have Elaine have one brother? But uh, I was trying to not be negative about this particular portion. And one thing I'm really, really excited to see that we haven't seen anything of are the wolves and someone's golden eyes. And that's like, I love that character. I love the story from start to finish. 
and I haven't seen fucking anything in the trailer, and you know it has to be in. There's no way they can take it out. Absolutely no way. The, okay, on this read through again that I'm doing, I am. I think I'm actually more into this into the character who you were referencing than I was prior to this. I was always. <sighs> I'm just gonna start beeping right now. I was, <laughs> <laughs> but now. Dragon <laughs> reborn. And, and that's the end. But I will remind you that in the trailer, we do get to see a wolf. We don't really get to see much context, but it's like... Right. We, we, it's I want to see... Like, there's so much about that that yeah. I absolutely love. I really like that his character had a full fucking arc. And they all do. But rereading it, I'm just, like, so enamored with everything that happens with the GoldenEyes character. So Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, too. I can, I can get on board. Okay, so I don't have anything else, Adam. You feel good about what we just did? I'm feeling good. I think we've covered most of the stuff that we've seen leading up to the show. The next thing is we got to watch the show. Yeah. You know, we got, what, 26 days until the show hits. Uh, I'm super excited. Maybe we come back. We talk about the first episode. Maybe we come back. We're so disappointed. All we talk about is Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens with it. But I'm very excited to finally see live action Wheel of Time, regardless of my concerns. I'm going to try and stay cautiously optimistic and we're going to see what there's where this thing goes. Me too. Me too. Um, as we said before, uh, I'm, I've, I've always been a very like, eh, it didn't happen in the book kind of a person with everything else that I've read that for some reason, this one, I'm not doing that. I have an open heart. I have an open mind and I am just, I cannot wait to, to see, especially here and just take in, take in this interpretation of this world. If it's not what I expect, whatever. And also, I'm glad that you and I are doing this together. This is going to be fun. Um, we have a lot of other. I agree. We have a lot of other interesting things that we have um, in our brains that's in relation to this. But we'll we'll announce this a little bit later on. So, again, as Adam said, the next time that we are going to be releasing is going to be after episode one. It'll be reaction to episode one. So, stay tuned. Looking forward to it. And as a sign off, uh, my new thing is I love you and don't read the books too fast. I love you too. All right, so that is actually the impressions we had of the first trailer. Now, they have released a second trailer. In fact, we talked about when we were recording this episode, they released it uh, two days after the fact. So we've gone ahead and watched that one as well. I will say for the second trailer they have released, this one basically checks all the boxes that I have wanted to see. We get to see a bunch of scenes that we recognize from the books. Uh, there's some stuff in there that we don't recognize. There's a particular scene where it shows like Lan going through something troubling while he's wearing all white. And Moraine is also wearing all white and she's crying. So it's interesting to see if that's going to sort of describe how they became paired as Water and Ace Sedai. Also, we get to hear a pronunciation of like A.S. Sedai, which I don't know if I'm down with. Um, most importantly for me, when I used to explain this series to folks and try and recruit people to read Wheel of Time, if they read book one and they told me that they were kind of having trouble getting through it, I'd say, read until the door explodes. Once the door explodes, you might get hooked. And that's always kind of worked. So seeing the door explode in this trailer and getting a bunch of really good shots of what the Trollocs are going to look like has been just absolutely everything that I've been hoping for. Also, again, like really heavily featured Loghain. It looks like this uh, red, which I'm believing is Leandrin, and this green and Moraine standing in the, the hall of the tower might be like put out into the world to do a task together. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be, perhaps to hunt down Loghain. Uh, it's always hard to tell when it looks like this is sort of original stuff, but 
yeah, this second trailer really fucking does it for me. I'm actually really excited for the show after seeing this. It's like I'm finally seeing stuff that as an avid reader and fan of the lore is really speaking to the things that I expected to see in a Wheel of Time show. So I'll uh, leave it there in case you want to toss in any of your thoughts, Garrett. Nope, not really. It looks awesome. Uh, the Oathrod's weird, but we get to see Aiel. We get to see some cool fighting. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm fully excited now. Also, we're clearly recording this at two separate times. Bye. Smash back to the music. 